Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design in Melbourne at RMIT University, and I'm with Interior Designer and Creative Director of Nexus Design, Sonia Simfendorfer. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Sonia. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Sonia, I thought it'd be timely. You've been on the show a number of months ago, but I think it's quite special to have you back on because Nexus has just celebrated 50 years. Yes. Which is an extraordinary achievement. I don't think there are many um, interior design firms uh, that have been working continuously for 50 years. So it's pretty special to and, us. Um, we have to give thanks to uh, interior designer Jan Faulkner, uh, who founded mm -hmm. Nexus Designs, and soon after she employed Harley Anstey. Yes. So it's been a it must have been a huge journey for her to see mm. the transition and the transformation of Nexus over 50 years. You yes. were telling me that she she actually got spotted by David Yenkin ah. and Yenkin Freeman at a dinner party probably in the would have been the mid 60s. Yes. So that that's where it all started. She was at a dinner party and was just speaking about things that she really was passionate about. I think she was asked who was the best young architect of the time and her answer led him to be really curious about this person with these very well developed opinions about design. She wasn't trained as a designer, um, was not intending to pursue a career in design, um, but this opportunity came up with merchant builders and they were leading the revolution in, in houses at that time. Um, so she joined and started working on the joinery for the houses that they were designing um, and they were the first to really integrate landscape. Um, they were stripping away all the layers of, of fussiness and heaviness and doing something absolutely new and groundbreaking and she was there with them. So if we look at the, say, the club cluster subdivision ah, yes. at Vermont, which yes. was one of the first cluster subdivisions mm -hmm. in Melbourne... And people who don't know cluster subdivisions, it's it's where it's like a community of buildings that kind of all link into each other through shared driveways and paths and courtyard yes. gardens. And the the landscape element became was absolutely integrated into the architecture. And so the cluster housing, there were no fences between the houses. It was designed to be used in that way um, that you all got to share the the open space. So, like when I read about or see these early projects it just seems like the absolutely most ideal way to live um, and I think people are starting to rediscover some of those principles now that were established then but have somehow got lost along the way. It must be interesting for Jan I mean she's not here in the studio with us mm -hmm. but just seeing the revival of the 70s yes. and the 60s the late 60s where the younger audience must actually for her, it must be incredibly exciting. Oh, I think so. And to see that it's valued once again, because so much effort went into, like in the Merchant Builders Group in early days of Nexus, just all of the thought that went into the design of the houses, to see people suddenly rediscovering it and being excited all over again. Um, and we've had the great pleasure of working with someone who bought uh, a Merchant Builders house and going back and seeing her original kitchen designs and getting an opportunity to to update that and make it relevant for family living in the in the 2000s uh it must be very um interesting for to, to revisit work mm -hmm. and obviously um jan would have seen work that isn't respected from the past mm -hmm. and now 
now it is you know quite hip to do the 70s thing it must be amusing it's to more go, than just hip Stephen. well it's well it is kind of a, a you know it's well things go in phases mm. I mean, we had the 50s yes in, through the 90s and early noughties yes and 70s was largely ignored and there has been i'd say in the last five years a real mm. swing to 70s late 60s 70s architecture why do you think that's happened is it because it's affordable or...? Uh, well, it's, it's not all well, affordable, no, I must no, say. Um, I think that the principles, letting light in, connecting to the landscape, um, really making houses that have private, private outdoor space, say internal courtyards and things like that, they're just so good. And I, d I don't know um, exactly why that didn't get more momentum, why that hasn't become the standard, but when people find it now, they can look past the brick which for a while was you know everyone Too rendered heavy. over it brick um and look past that and actually see the the good bones and the thought that's behind it so who are some of the architects that uh jan she, i mean graham gunn was one i, I believe definitely graham, graham gunn. gunn uh he was i think he he um he's someone whose work still continues to employ those principles uh, I've, be, I've been in houses that he's designed and anywhere you stand you get these long views in every direction um, and that once again that connection to the Australian landscape and the response the appropriate response to the climate location what for people who are looking for these beautiful homes mm -hmm. I mean obviously Vermont and the cluster subdivision I think it was in Turek Road Burwood Road yes you keep driving areas, up in that, yes think, but where do you start looking for these homes because people would be you know, it's not that easy. They, I mean, the 50s is easier in a sense. We had yes. the, um, the Studley Park area yes. right through Kew, North and But when you're looking at 70s, it doesn't seem to be oh. that targeted to one area. No, it's much more dispersed. So the people I know who have successfully found themselves a place that has those principles, they've, they've really searched and they've filtered through um, a lot of real estate advertisements to actually find them but it's just knowing what the keys are and often brick is a, is a giveaway the love of brick and that's something that I really chunky like. beams chunky beams brick big windows and a scale that's not over the top like they're actually often quite modest yeah. houses but the but the flow of the interior spaces and the and the attention paid to storage and other fundamentals like that I mean you don't need a lot of space you can still have a backyard for example Sonia you were telling me you were you you've you put this book together ah well okay so Stephen I must clarify <laughs> that as part of the to mark the anniversary the the 50 years of Nexus designs we thought that we would uh, tell people 50 stories for the 50 years and what's happened is the minute we said that, everyone has said, oh, so that's a book. When, when's the book coming out? So we've realised that people are really curious about the stories. What does happen over 50 years in Australian design? You know, what are all those things? So have, um, you, have you taken a house from every year? No, no. Although I've, no. Um, what we've done is look at the history of the business through various lenses. So um, there, are, there are stories that are historical. So there's one we're about to do about the merchant builders stage. Um, there's one about the, the Casina Tangram table, which we have in our boardroom that's been there for since 1986, I think it was. Um, we are looking at the way 
colours been used through the years, all, all sorts of different ways oh. into it. So rather than being absolutely linear, jumping in at different points and literally just telling stories. How lovely. And these stories are told by either people who lived through mm -hmm. a certain period or people like yourself who were involved. You've been in with Nexus for... You know what, this is my 20th year. 20 years, so <laughs> no. you've got your own story to oh, tell. So yes, it do. must be lovely to see even just the development of colour and how people yes. work with colour. Yes, yes. And that's something that, that Jan started in the business, that fearless use of colour, and it's something that we've all been... Um, taught with or imbued with like that using color fearlessly appropriately and not just not just for the sake of it either like color should have some meaning and purpose um and it should be have not be too serious at the same time so um nexus is actually quite a broad quite a diverse mm. studio in terms of your we're not client. just interior designers. You're not interior, just interior designers. You uh, also work with architects. Yes. Still, we uh, have graphic designers. Graphic designers. We work with product um, companies such as Blue Scope Steel, developing the Color Bond range, for example. So there's there's a wide. We have this depth and breadth in our studio, uh, which allows us to work with other disciplines really closely, but it also gives our clients an, an even greater amount of, this bigger pool of knowledge and experience that we're drawing from when we respond to their brief and their project. Yeah. But you're also, uh, your portfolio of work isn't just based in Melbourne anymore. Oh it's no. Been, it's quite extensive. We have you, a project in Thailand right now. Thailand, There's one in, in Tribeca in New York. New They're York. Sydney, Perth, Adelaide, all over the place. So do you actually have to travel quite a lot and oversee a lot of these projects or is it done by Skyping or...? A combination of all of those. So say for example Thailand which is the current project, uh, there have been a couple of trips to site, there's been a lot of Skyping as well. It really depends on the project as to how much travel is carried out. And Sonia, for, uh, excuse my ignorance, but in terms of the project type, typology, mm -hmm housing still or is it moving into hotels restaurants because you actually have built up quite a reputation for bespoke houses. oh yes the one-off houses are i guess they get a lot of attention people love i mean i love looking at at those bespoke houses as well but we also work in the multi-res area so translating what we what we learned from the one-off into um an apartment tower of 200 apartments that's that's always a challenge um a really good challenge though budgets different people you're accommodating um we also work in the hospitality area uh in retail um you know luxury car <laughs> you know it's diverse um, ferries well it's it's interesting in terms of uh when you said apartments mm -hmm. and you know there has been a bit of a complaint from people saying look everything is you've probably heard the word several times value managed oh, and yeah. an idea becomes so watered down that you think well that's not really my idea how does that work and do you kind of resist the developers push and say look there are certain things we have to keep in this thing to oh, make it work it's essential otherwise what's left I mean and value management is an important process so you can't have a project that won't stack up financially so there's a responsibility on us to have ideas that can be made to work within those parameters um, and yes we are the ones who fight and dig in our heels but at the end of the day it's also a collaboration so you have to find a way there together mm. there's no point saying 
we can't do this unless you unless um, this particular thing happens it has to be realistic but yeah, yeah it's important to fight for what you know is right it's also it must be quite difficult at the moment because there's so much and I've said this on other programs there's so much noise out there from um, you know people offering advice about design everything from pretty average television shows to average newspaper columns everyone's got an opinion on design now mm. and really the interior designer's role has been under threat for many years now in terms of defending it I mean when Jan started in the industry in 1967 it probably wasn't even the term interior designer. I don't think there was a course that you could study. I mean, Harley certainly um, studied interior design, but it didn't exist as a profession, really. Till much later. Mm, till much later. So how do you deal with all that? Because it must make your job a lot more difficult when a client says, oh, but I've seen it on television. It was kind of knocked up in a day, and you kind oh. of, you're take, telling me it's going to take a month to do this? Yes, or longer, depending on what or it is. Um, that, that is difficult, but one thing that we are fortunate in is that a lot of people who come to us for the work have, you know, they're friends of someone we've worked with or, or they've followed us for years and they, they understand what's important to us. So they're not looking for the flavour of the moment. They don't want something that's going to be gone in a few minutes. Um, it's They come to us for the enduring design for the those principles um, and we do get grilled on it I mean that that happens a lot people do want to know um, what the process is and what they can expect so you know you're always interviewing each other at the beginning of a project too to make sure that what they're looking for and what we're looking for as designers is matched and if it doesn't match doesn't happen very often but <laughs> is it easier to drop that person or just say look refer them to someone else if you feel uh, it's yeah. not compatible usually it's it's about um we're happy to take on an educational role as well and to explain what's why we think something is important but look occasionally there is a complete um disconnection yeah, and that's just the reality of the fact that, you know, uh, there is so much on television. There's this enormous, you know, the competition when you think of, yeah, when Jan started the business, how many direct competitors she would have for a client compared to the like pool now. of available. Yeah, and so, um, but our thing is to just stick to what we do really well, keep evolving and growing and changing and adapting as as life as the world does too um, and just stick to what we know is really going to work to deliver what people need um, I mean it wouldn't happen, have happened in Jan's time but mm. I think it probably is more prevalent in 2017 as we go into 2018 where designers particularly interior designers go into a house and tell a client look I think it's you need to start from the beginning you have to leave your life behind <laughs> this old yeah chair of nanas mm. has to be relegated to the you know back room how do you deal with sensitive issues like that if you if you we you... deal with them very sensitively <laughs> <laughs> um, because that that obviously can happen where what someone's wanting to achieve and the building blocks you've got to work with may not all be able to be use so but once again it, there's a logic to things so sometimes the scale of something precious or there is just completely wrong or maybe there's another way you can introduce something um into a space that links into what 
that person finds important. Uh, but that's also the benefit of having over 50 years worked with so many people and so many projects. Most problems we've we've dealt with before and found a way to um, be able to get to a solution. Um, Sonia, I'm really interested in the Tribeca project. Ah, I, yes. I think that's, you know, for any design to be called to New York to rework oh, an apartment, yeah. I think from memory, I've got a pretty good memory, there was a um, uh, big mural by the artist, and I'm trying to think of the uh, his famous artist. Oh, he's com so famous that I have temporarily forgotten his name. Thank um, you very much. But I remember <laughs> looking at it, It was and it was a mural by... Oh. Anyway, it's, no, 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 it's, he's, he does almost very cartoon-like. Um, anyway, it will come to me. Uh, and I think from memory, didn't the client actually buy that in advance? Or they, they bought that during the design process uh, and it, it became an important part of what we were designing for the interior. So uh, it was a wallpaper. It's actually literally applied to the wall. It's not on a backing board. It's, um, it's an incredible piece in itself and it ended up I guess we slightly redirected what we were doing to respond to that um, but that particular client has an excellent eye. What was it like working in New York and and is there a certain sensibility in New York that you probably wouldn't find in say Melbourne or Sydney or anywhere else that it might work in Australia but you know if you did that in New York in Tribeca people would say no we don't do that. Something that's very subtle or something that's... Um, I think what people expect from a project in New York is that it's going to be over the top and that you're going to walk in and be hit over the head by, really? by it. Yeah. I, I do think so. And there is a, there is a lot of that out there. Um, but our client came to us with a picture of the New South Wales Blue Mountains and said, this is something that really means something to me. An Australian you, client? An Australian client living in New York. Um, image of the New South Wales blue mountains and that's that was the inspiration that was the start of the design process and what was interesting is the interior is full of well it does have a lot of australian art and in actual fact the wall skin we were talking about is in their shelter island house um but in new york it's all all australian and um people walk in and say to them this is so australian and uh it wasn't intended to be that way but i guess it's the openness and welcome and sophistication but it's not heavy-handed i mean that that's something we've brought australia to new york in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect and for people who visit it does seem incredibly i guess uh, exotic and foreign <laughs> and, but it's just what we do um sonia you've you've been at it for 20 years what is more the, than 20 more actually. than 20 just years 20 at nexus yeah you must still get excited though about revisiting projects and mm -hmm. seeing that you know, it isn't a fad. People actually love living, oh. you know, and rather because that's the area that tends to be changed all the time. I mean, architecture, you tend to invest, you know, yes. in the built form, but interior architecture, interior design, it's a bit of a, a crossover area. But to walk into a space where everything's been, you know, it might be mm. slight, people always acquire new things. Of course, yes. It's not static, but it must be refreshing to see something that's oh. got the guts and the essence of what you created years ago yes and and projects that i've worked on um in the time that i've been at nexus so far and also going back to visit projects that were designed say 30 or even 40 years ago and seeing that the bones are still good so the space planning um that underpins the furniture grouping or um 
just the principles that were employed to see that they just need a small update or a, a refresh of lighting you know some things changed with technology um, that's a great experience and it just it just reinforces the fact that what we're doing um, is we're pursuing something worthwhile that's really going to last and I love that it's not disposable um, yeah very satisfying well look good luck with publishing of the book yes I would like to read it thank you so one. <laughs> if any publishers listening oh, please um, I think it's they're the stories I personally want to read rather than you know a look here and a look there mm-hmm. so um, Look, thanks for coming in today. That's a pleasure. Um, and congratulate Jan when you see I her. An amazing achievement. Yes. And um, you've been listening to Talking Design with Stephen Crafty at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.